When the post-game podcast ends, the post-podcast podcast begins. Covering everything for the most recent game and your questions from the fan base. And tonight, the Brooklyn Nets are in danger of falling out of the play-in rankings. And oh, by the way, don't control their own draft capital. We dive in on that problem coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you find Doug Norrie. I am Adam Armbrecht. We thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. We are 100% free on all those great platforms. And let you know that LinkedIn Jobs can help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions why they do apply and doug as we dive in welcoming everybody live on youtube at locked on nets for all your quotes questions quandaries and complaints we did start thinking about how this losing streak and some of the other teams in the nba eastern conference could start really weighing on the brooklyn nets and this outlook if they can't get themselves back on track yeah, we talked yesterday, well, briefly, you know, depending on when you're listening to this, if you're listening on YouTube or if you're listening on the podcast feed, which is coming a day later, we talked about this already. The Nets are in a super precarious situation with where they stand now in the standings. And things are not going to get easier here because the motivations around the Eastern Conference are just clearly shifting and the talent might be shifting also in a way that's very, very detrimental to this team. If you look at what's happening just throughout the landscape right now, like, the Nets at the end, at following the loss uh, to the Pelicans, were sitting ninth overall in the East, right? Excuse me, the loss to the Rockets. We're sitting ninth overall in the East, which you're like, okay, well, it's still in the play-in. The problem is that there's three teams below them that are maybe or, or even definitely heading in different direction, which is up. So Atlanta Hawks, they're coming off the win against OKC. They get Jalen Johnson back. Definitely a difference maker for them. They are going to keep trying here. I know people have talked about them trading DeJounte Murray. They're not going to like, they're not bottoming out and they have talent. Trey is a good player. I know people dig him all the time. He's an awesome player. And Jalen Johnson's a great fit there too. That team is going to start making moves. Also, you get Toronto who trades for uh, IQ and RJ Barrett and is going to start them and has already said, hey, we're going to give this a month and see how it works with Siakam. We might resign him. Like, we'll see how this goes. That's going to be a team. They just won again on Wednesday. That's going to be a team that's definitely going to be wanting to win also in the short term. This is very problematic for the Nets to really stick around this playoff picture. They kind of needed also a couple of these teams to wave, wave the white flag also <laughs> as well. And that does not appear to be the case. And that's going to be a problem for Brooklyn. And already on top of that, I mean, we know the top of the Eastern Conference, all those teams, the Celtics, the Bucks, the 76ers, the Miami Heat have gotten themselves on track, obviously. But when you introduce Orlando and the Pacers, right, both 19 and 14 right now, you know, there was a world coming into this season. We kind of talked about, oh, Pacers and Nets maybe kind of in that pecking order around the eighth and ninth seed as those teams start to put some distance between you. I mean, the Eastern Conference just looks more competitive now, right? It's 19 and 15 down there in the eighth seed right now with the New York Knicks. And then you mentioned some of those surging teams. So it does put the Nets in a precarious spot here. When you look at the last 10 games for all of these teams, they're all 500 or better 
the Nets are the only outlier here going the wrong way. Orlando Magic have struggled over their last 10. The, the other side of this, too, as we know, is that the Nets don't have any of the control over their own assets. So they can't necessarily make that trade deadline decision, regardless of what the return is and trades they could make. Get rid of veterans. Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal. We've done this list, you know, chapter and verse. Okay. What, what does that mean? <laughs> what does it mean to bottom out? You're not going to have control over your own draft capital. And I think it then gets you to the point of what is the decision you make then? Do you do you get overcommitted to wanting to salvage this season? Or do you just stop thinking about the bad decision you made trading all your picks away to Houston for James Harden and just go, it's over. We made that choice. There is no getting them back. And we, we talked about the one scenario where we trade Mikael Bridges to Houston to get your picks back. Guess what? Houston goes, oh, we don't have to do anything. These picks yeah. are ripening on the vine as we speak right now. This is the other problem with even that like one scenario, which I thought was we all thought was like super unlikely anyway, right? It was just to trade it for the for the Knicks, um, which was to all of a sudden like now Houston looks at these picks and they're like, oh, that's that's gonna be a lottery pick, <laughs> like that like they're, the Nets are headed for the lottery here, on, and and we're headed back to like this you know sort of that Boston situation from years ago where it was like, oh hey. You know, you, you know, they're go, they're going to be awesome picks for the Celtics <laughs> that they're going to be able to reform, like sort of like remake their franchise on, which they basically ended up doing, and that's the situation that the Nets are in now. It's a re- very very scary spot, um, and it, it just doesn't make you feel great to look at where these other Eastern Conference teams are, and know now like when you're even scoreboard watching on some of them, like Toronto, like Atlanta, like Atlanta, like I said, they just beat OKC, like that's a nice win right yeah. like toronto just took care of memphis with job back like these are kind of quality wins uh getting on their ledger with teams that have motivations and i think part of what we were counting on with the nets and it probably was incorrect was that there would be more teams that kind of lost motivation as the season went on but i just don't think that's going to be the case at least now january 3rd a month before the trade that month and a few days before the trade deadline like they are that appears very much like it's going the opposite direction coming up here in a second i'll explain a small silver lining about more competitive teams around the nba for the brooklyn nets and also some clarifying language from Woj on how the nets feel about mikhail bridges and expectations for the nets fans as we get towards the trade deadline all right before that we're gonna tell you about our friends over at linkedin at the start of the new year every small business owner is asking themselves the same question what's the one move i can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024 linkedin jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with that's why linkedin jobs created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and you're gonna like to hear this for free linkedin isn't just another job board it's a vast network of more than a billion professionals which helps make it the best place to hire hiring is easy have that many quality candidates. So easy. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn also knows a small business are wearing so many hats, might have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnMBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnMBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so as we continue the post-podcast podcast podcast episode, we will get into that right after Doug lets us know one more fun fact. 
<laughs> yeah, I'll also let you know, this show's brought to you by BetterHelp. Right now, we're heading into the new year. We're obsessed with how to change things, uh, change things for ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing, right? Lean into the things that you're already doing, right? Maybe you're just organizing your space. You want to tackle another. Maybe you're taking supplements in the morning. You want to actually eat breakfast too. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. If you're start thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on MBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H E L P.com slash locked on MBA. And now as we continue the post-podcast podcast episode, we'll get to some questions and comments from you guys here in a second. A lot of people are in the chat room, and we always appreciate everyone coming on these lives to support us. Um, the one thing about more competitive teams in the East and out West as well is if the Nets are going to make that decision about a Dorian Finney-Smith or a Royce O'Neal, it is good that it is going to be far more of a buyer's market than it is a seller's market when it comes to the deadline. The Nets should have suitors. The flip side of this would be that there were reports from Woj essentially saying the Brooklyn Nets are going to be buyers. <laughs> they are committed to building around Mikhail Bridges and to building around as him as one of those cornerstone pieces of this franchise going forward. So the question becomes in the short term, are they going? I, I don't think they're not making the big move. I don't think they're making the extravagant move. But we had talked about kind of over the past couple of weeks of like, would they make a margin move here? Would they try to bring in something that just helps you get a better sample size around which pieces should fit and stay, which guys you're going to bring back out of all the one-year deals you brought in this offseason? Are you still, I think you are, started in the camp of, are you still in the camp of like not wanting to go down that road of spending some amount of draft capital to bring in a marginal veteran point guard that just helps you kind of stabilize something on your team? Yeah, I mean, this is the other one that too. It's like there's if they're gonna go this route, um, it's 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 probably worth it at least to try a little bit to be interesting, right? Like, and I think that probably is worth some draft capital, even if it would pain me to do it because I think it's probably a bad. I do think it's the definition of throwing good money after bad for sure, right. but this is also a long timeline here. The draft pick situation is like this for years now for them, and so I just don't know how you can kind of how you can do it any other way i think they're probably going to be forced to probably spend a pick or two or more to get in relevant players around bridges if that's going to be the plan just because i think the timeline is just too long if it was a one-year thing and you could just wait on one year with these houston picks i, I would think about it differently but it's not one year it's like three years <laughs> right it's 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 between the swaps and the picks that they owe it's it's this is a multi-year problem like this is going to be a problem for years and I, with that in mind you probably do have to use some of the capital to just make yours to put butts in seats and make the team interesting otherwise it's it will be a lot of what we're looking at now and i just don't think that's an acceptable basketball product and that's i think that's the problem and that's what i wonder about the decision that they'll make here one thing in terms of not having control of their own picks i'll highlight jeffrey here this draft class is trash i wouldn't be worried about giving up a lottery pick i i, well, I will say that in this moment the the outlook on the, the 2024 where the giant where the nets don't have their own pick it does not look like a particularly strong draft class but that's that's kind of a micro statement just around it's your choice to do whatever you want with the assets that you control not having it it, it 
it still leaves you in an in-between waters where you don't get to make the decision and say, this is the path we want to go down for better or worse, right? We don't get to make that choice now because we don't have it anyway. Now, maybe well, you don't your hand into being interesting and bringing in a player. So, you know, what's worse than a first round pick in a bad draft. No first round no pick. pick in a bad draft. <laughs> right. Like, like no it's, in first round? I get it that not all drafts are stocked and absolutely loaded, but the nets are also in this situation where they need every pick. Yeah. Like they need extra picks now. And they're the opposite because they need to have so many bites of the apple to try to claw back some talent of which they have very little, right? Like high end, like high end pedigree talent, right? They have guys, they have guys we like, I get it's not that it's, it's mostly like they don't have any super, there's no superstar in the, on this roster at all. And really the one, there's two ways to go get superstars. You trade for them or you draft them right. and the trade for them costs you an absolute ton because most people already know they're basically superstars or close to it or you draft them and that's when I have ability to draft it. So you got to overpay in the trade market, but how do we know they already did it? And by the way, the, the free agent piece, like that is so rare now, like the KD yeah. and Kyrie free agency thing. It just doesn't happen. These guys all extend and then they wait later to figure out what the plan is. Like, it's just not, it's just these superstars don't hit free agency, like unrestricted free agency. They just don't. So I get it. This draft class isn't amazing. You'd still like the pick. Yeah. <laughs> like you liked it. You'd like to try. And Jonathan, who highlighted the, the Woj information, reminded everybody about the Woj information in the chat and building around bridges. What is a key player Brooklyn could go after at the deadline that's reachable in terms of it? And, and the dovetail of this for me is, while I, I accept that that can be the premise for the Brooklyn Nets, that they and they, they, they did signal this can go back to the offseason. They wanted to compete. They wanted to go for the playoffs. So in that regard, you look at the current state and you go, OK, how, how do we fix it? How do we improve? Because that's still the goal here. The one thing, the one wrinkle about it to me is if you want to go after kind of a, a higher level guy, this is where the Nick Claxton factor does come into play here. Because if you don't want to give up everything in terms of your draft capital, then you start to think about restructuring your team, making it better, making it different, but trying to restructure this team a little bit on the fly here to get this back half of the season to be an indication of where you can go for the next couple of years with Mikhail and Cam as a part of your core. And you're saying like you're saying using Claxton as a trade piece. That's your yeah. Saying? So you say hey he yeah, and like that a couple of first round picks here in this trade, so we don't have to give you a couple of those Phoenix picks that we'd rather hold on to, right? Right, and it's a little softer landing with him because Sharp has played really well, and maybe yep. you think Clowney's like a little, you know, half a step closer to being able to play, or like you know, maybe a season away from getting rotation minutes or something like that. So like trading him now that you don't get as high of a price tag because like centers and you know like him aren't aren't superstars, but. Yeah, I think that that's pretty clear to me that I, I actually feel like that's almost for sure what they're going to do is trade him. I, I, I'd be kind of shocked if they threw a lot of money at him at this point with the way Sharp has played. I just don't think they have to anymore. And so and also something yeah. that you pointed out that this is going back to when we had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, the stars, you pointed it out back then. Like everybody looks better. It wasn't just Claxton. Everybody, everybody looks better when you have superstars on your team because their job is so much easier. And it's that, you know, so much more effective to be able to get your shots and your looks because it's all wide open. Claxton is still a great defensive value, but I think we've seen, right? Offensively, he, he's still developing, and there's still aspects of his game. He likes to take shots at, at the end of garbage time when the, when the games don't matter anymore, but, but it does look different now that there is no Kevin Durant, there is no Kyrie, there is no Harden, and you can kind of, I think, sell other teams on the idea of, hey, you've seen the sample size of how absolutely elite he can be on both ends if you have one of those stars already to pair him with. One of the teams, I'll just throw this out here now for the sake of fun, 
Uh, I think the Charlotte Hornets actually would be a good team for it, not only because it's a little bit of a homecoming for him because he's from that area, but you already have a star on that team. You want to bring in more. You want to get young talent around him. Like that's actually a team that I think would make a kind of move like that. That's more about their long term than it is about a short term team looking to go to the playoffs this year and make a run. You mean for Claxton? Yeah. Oh yeah. I think I disagree with that. I think they have Mark Williams there and they have Nick Richards there. I'm not sure they'd be in the market for it. Um, so I think I'd push back on that a little bit, but overall the conceit of like where he, where, where he to get tra traded. I think that they really should push for that at this point. Like they, 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 they have to try to take whatever they have, like anyone with value and try to turn it into something, especially when they have a guy that can kind of come in and play like right. Dinwiddie's kind of tanking his value. I'm not sure what's going to happen here with him. Right. Um, I'm not sure what happens with the, I think the, the, the veteran guys like DFS and Royce will still have a landing spot. Right. I don't know if it's going to be, it's not going to be anything amazing. It's going to be to some contender. So the first round pick is going to be bad, like basically yeah. a second, but like in general, I do think we end up seeing that move. I have a couple of start here that I can bring up, but go ahead. Uh, no, the last, just the last note was that, um, on when it comes to Dorian Finney-Smith, when it comes to Royce, I think the other thing between now and the deadline, if this team is going to continue to struggle from a wins and loss standpoint is getting Lonnie Walker healthy and back on the court. And even looking at a guy like Dennis Smith jr. Like I, I, we, I like both these guys. We like both those guys. They're both on one year deals. If you don't think that they're a part of that long-term and specifically with Smith jr. Where there's just injury history does follow him again, grab the value you can get on these guys right now especially if you want to start to look to some of the younger players or if you're going to make moves. If you're going to make moves for a, a key name, a bigger name, well, these other guys matter. These role players are showing that they can be valuable to other rosters. Uh, let's throw up the first one you had here, Stark. You said this starting lineup was good. How dare you, Doug? How dare you? Not only, not only did you, you lie to us, you insulted our intelligence. Well, I'm, look, the starting lineup was the best. That five-man unit was the best five-man unit they had. I, it's not me saying it. I mean, all the numbers say it. They passed, they passed the eye test, too. Like, I, that's not – it was not even a hot take. It's like, no. that's just true. That's just what it, that's what it was. And, you know, conflating the idea that it's like a good NBA starting lineup or it's the best lineup the Nets have, I mean, those are two totally different things, right? Like, yeah. is the starting five a, a high-powered top five – like, top lineup in the league? Dude, of course not. <laughs> like, but – when it comes to like optionality around the net, what the Nets have, was that lineup clearly the best? Yeah, of course. Like that's just not even a that's not even like a hot take. I it's like I'm I can be dismissive of this. I think to some degree. Now that being said, we also said I probably wouldn't even run out this lineup anymore. Like I was like, let's try DSJ, so we have some point of attack. You know, like let's swap. Try try Cam Thomas for Dinwiddie. Like try different things. I don't think you can. I don't think pairing Dinwiddie and Cam Thomas is a good idea. Like that's been a total epic disaster. But and they ended up paired out there tonight with Mikhail Bridges and then they, they get paired every game. They get paired every game. It gets slaughtered every game. Like it's just it's it's the it's like the one of the worst combinations they have. It's not an anti-camera or anti-dimity thing. It's just like the pairing of those two doesn't work. But, also, I mean, please not that please please understand, like the please understand the context around this stuff. It's like uh, yeah, I was gonna say not that you, you need not be defended, but it was this is the best lineup the Nets have. The, the best line that the Nets have. I mean, it was a po it was a it's a positive. It's right. a, I mean, it's probably not. It's not anymore. But they don't really have any. Well, by the way, it was funny after anymore. like the last couple of games. Their their net rating this season, not not including last season, it like shrunk to like plus seven offensive defensive. After this game, it's probably shrunk a little bit. So the margins are getting tighter around that starting rotation. Also, one more thing about that, I'll say this: we get to some more. And I gotta we're gonna do uh tell you about one more of our friends here. But oh, yeah. um, the I've seen a lot of people push back on like net rating is garbage. 
which I find absolutely hilarious because like I saw someone and multiple people have said it here too. It's like, oh, net rating sucks. I mean, net rating is like literally just like saying the scoreboard sucks. Like net rating is just the points you score per 100 possessions versus the points you allow versus 100 possessions. Like it's not even really analytics. It's just legit like a different way to look at the scoreboard. But are you winning or losing? Well, but it's but it's it's meant to regress for pace because like you do it per 100 possessions. So because some teams play faster paces. So it's better. It's better to look at that than points allowed because some teams are going to allow more points because they play a faster pace, right? So like you right. use net rating to get everyone down to 100 possessions so you can actually more clearly look at it. It's like a bet. Frankly, it's a better version of the scoreboard. So I always find it hilarious when people say, well, that's like analytics and it sucks. It's literally the scoreboard. If you just did the scoreboard by 100 possessions, then not. So just like, I don't know, get clued in. Coming <laughs> up here in a second, Doug will continue dispensing wisdom to you, the fans, and also a trade target, a lineup suggestion, and questions about Jock Vaughn. We'll go into those fan questions here in a moment. All right, first, we're going to tell you about our friends over at Hungry Root. Look, it's 2024. You're trying to eat healthier. Look, we're trying to make those New Year's resolutions because being healthy is important. You want to be nutritious with what you eat. This is where Hungry Root steps in and helps you with it. Hungry Root's the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality food delivered to your door. They get healthy groceries and simple recipes. It's all in one place. All you got to do, you take a fun, short quiz, and Hungry Root will get to know you. They're going to get to know your goals, how you like to eat, the flavors you like, the appliances you use, and more. They're going to know your habits in and out recommend recipes and groceries based on your taste you can take the suggestions choose anything you want it's all over there for you. you got fresh produce high quality meat and seafood pantry staples healthy snacks sweets so much more it goes beyond your weekly grocery haul thousands of easy rep- recipes that actually put your groceries to good use before they get forgotten and go to the back of your fridge we've all been with there with that right now hungry root is offering locked on nets folks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to hungryroot.com slash locked on to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's hungryroot.com slash locked on. Don't forget to use our link so they know that we sent you. All right. As we tie a bow on the post podcast podcast, a couple more questions here diving in on it from you guys, the fans. Um, one of them here was uh, how confident are you that the uh when the guys that the rookies will play past the deadline post deadline this is i said in the offseason that jalen wilson will play over 40 games for the brooklyn nets i'm pretty confident in that because i still believe whether they whether they make a move to bring someone in of a high caliber or not they're still going to have to fill in minutes and likely some of these veterans will have to go out to get that done or nick claxton will have to go out i think there will be minutes for some of these guys the rookies though it's really going to depend on if the Nets continue to push all in. Then I think Derek Whitehead and Noah Clowney are going to have a really hard time getting real minutes at the NBA level. Yeah, I think they're just they're really really blocked right now. The net the the benches like the roster is not great with high end talent, but it's super deep, and they the team wants to keep winning games, and it's hard to do that with super raw rookies that are really really young. I mean, the one thing that helps them with this these those two dudes is like they were like I think they're the two youngest guys in the draft or something like that. So like the timeline on that is pretty long. I I think they're, they have a little more time with that than I think some other guys, because they're just so young, but I I don't think this is about wanting to see it. If if the season doesn't feel like it's going great, then you want the hope of the young players. Right. And it's, it's a hard kind of needle to thread there right now. You have to clear out probably three or four guys off the roster to justify bringing in those two specifically. Another one here from uh, Afro Lore. Freaking flyer. We've seen you before. How are you, sir? Uh, DeJounte Murray should be a priority. 
I, I looked at him the other day, and it's weird how if you go back to his San Antonio numbers where he was almost like a ten assist guy, then I like squint and I and I and I see how you plug him into the nets and how there creates value there. He's on a long contract. I mean, the age timeline, it all kind of fits in there. But I, I don't know where I stand on like him being the guy or how far that needle would move for me if you went and added him into this roster. How much does that significantly change it? We had this discussion even about adding a Donovan Mitchell. I just don't know what, like, the even if we want, like, I, pause on DeJounte for one second. I actually don't even know what the Nets, like, what Atlanta would want off the Nets roster, right? Like, it's just the start. Picks, I would assume. I guess, but they're like, they don't even seem like they're in that spot to like wanted to do that. Right. So I think the contract for him is actually fine. Um, yeah, yeah. Like all, in terms of overall money, which is probably why they want to ship him and try to like put a, maybe a bigger piece around, around Trey, right. Maybe someone that fits a little better. Maybe someone that's like a lot better defensively. I think the the hope here was that DeJounte was going to be like a, you know, make up for a lot of the uh, POA kind of like issues on this team. That really hasn't happened. They play together like just okay. Not really great. He's obviously second banana. Cause like, if you look at the rotations, he plays you know, fewer minutes and he's just like not prioritized in the same way as Trey. Trey's just better. So like, I, I get it. Like, um, I, I don't know. I guess it'd be like a moderate floor raiser for this team. I just don't know if it like moves the needle so much. I think if he came to the team, you would see some of those San Antonio numbers tick back up simply because he wasn't playing next to Trey. And I think that actually would make a a, a material difference, but I just don't know like what it really does for the nets. Unless you're just like, Hey, we would just want to win four more games or something like that. Five more games. And like, and that's, and that's good enough. I'm not even sure he's like that good, but let's just say that's the number. Then I can see it, but you're just going to have DeJounte Murray on the team for a long time. And I think we kind of just know where he is. Like the defense is a little overrated. The shooting's not spectacular. He does some things really well. And I think that's just, it's like unexciting, but hard to find too many faults with it either. And the, and his three-point shooting has improved. He's shooting 38% this year, but it's like it also it's also one of those things of will you play with Trey Young? Like we always talk about it, the gravity of the other players on the team. Sometimes those things get a little bit worse when you don't have that same caliber of players around you. But I I think it's, it's interesting because he's a name you throw out. And I think I would say if they made that move, the, the cost probably wouldn't be so great that you that you would feel like you gave up too much to get him. And you say, okay. It may it certainly would make the team more interesting and more exciting to watch over the second half of the season if that's the way that they went. There was one other note here about a lineup that I just wanted to touch on because I didn't get to crunch down on it. The lineup of Thomas Bridges, Johnson, Watford, and Claxton when Lonnie comes back. Bigger lineup with the playmaking of Watford and allowing gravity from Thomas to help the team. I mean, I'm pro, I, I'm pro Watford getting bigger sample sizes. I, yeah. I think I've actually I think I've actually I think I actually put this out there at one point about getting Watford and Claxton on the floor together because Watford offers you again a Ben Simmons light version of that skill set. Can ball handle, has some size, can shoot from can also shoot from the outside. So you don't you still get that element on the offensive end, shows a lot of energy defensively. I'd be fine with it. Like I think Watford's a guy that has earned a larger role in over the last whatever month or so. Yeah, I think that the funny thing about the Nets is like they have lots of different combinations like this now that because they just have lots of guys like this. Like they just right. have got like they I this is a funny thing about the way the team is constructed now. They all of their they have many five-man combinations that are fine. They have none that are great, right? And so I think we can do a million of these. This one looks fine. 
you know, right? Like I can see it. It's got length. It's got like, you know, secondary ball handling. It's got some good, you know, backside rim protection. Like there's, right. there's a lot of good things about this lineup. Um, they just have lots of versions of this because they have like lots of like this kind of guy. And so, yeah, I'm not trying to like not be excited about it. Um, but it's, but I also, uh, and I'll also say too, to Terrell's, maybe to just Terrell's lineup suggestion. It's like, this is also, if you showed up and put this lineup out for the next game, this is the next starting lineup. I'd say, okay, fine. Like, you know, like it, it wouldn't phase me to tell me you inserted player X in, you took player X out. And we, we've kind of talked about that too. It's like, so try them. A lot of these players are similar. The differences are marginal. There's slight areas where one is better at something than the other. So go ahead and mix and match these things until you maybe discover something. Like, I think that's the biggest advocate that I can be for is like, just find out, is there something more there? Here's a good one to throw up. <laughs> I think after the podcast, you guys should spend more time on YouTube on the questions. Too many questions go unanswered. I will say, I mean, obviously, first of all, we do our That's what we're doing right thing. now. I know we're right here. We're, <laughs> allow me to, although frankly, if I'm being honest, Ian, I don't want to, I don't want to blow up your spot here, but you didn't even ask me a question. You just made a statement. You see what I'm doing here? You got to put the little question at the end there. Could you answer more? No, we do. You know, the traditional post game podcast, it, that's clean. I mean, I think everyone knows that we don't take questions there. Um, but Doug and I have also, we've also talked about like other versions of doing things live where we just kind of basically sit here and chop the crap out of it with you guys until you ask 9 million questions and our, and your ears bleed from hearing our responses. But, um, you know, we'll do our best. We're, we're trying our best, Dan. Any other ones? How long, yeah, oh. we'll do this one. How long will JV last? I actually, I'm at the point now where, and I know we did one from Afro before, but I thought this was a good one. I'm at the point now where I'm actually think it could come sooner than later. I think like he could, he could get fired here. Like, I think that this swoon has been so bad and the, the team has been so lifeless yep. and the energy level has been so low. I was actually looking at the schedule with where I thought, and this is how, you know, I, I actually I don't really default to this, but I was looking at the schedule thinking about where would be the best spot to do it. <laughs> like sure. if I was, if I was tasked with doing it, um, if I was tasked with actually like making this move, this tonight would be one of the places because mm -hmm. you have like kind of a soft landing for the new coach against Portland at home <laughs> on Sunday. Right. Um, and so that's, uh, Oh no, sorry. No, no, no sorry. After, oh, sorry. After OKC, they have OKC at home and then you have Portland the next game and then they go to Paris, but then the Paris thing threw me off. Cause I was like, well, they're just going to like fire him before they go do this. Like Paris they're gonna leave overseas. <laughs> and they're not going to do that when they, and they're not going to fire him there. And so, I mean, they might not fire him at all. Like, I, like this is also an organization that seems to want to have a steady hand around this stuff. So, I actually the other part where I actually don't think he's going to get fired. But this is the first time I've actively thought about it. Well, and so the and also one of the things I don't think we we talked about too is if you think about this from like, what do you want? Do you want the Nets to go get a player, you know, a name player to bring in to improve this team to turn these things around? Well, if you want that, then you're probably advocating they don't fire Jock Vaughn. Because I think if you fire your head coach, then the likelihood that your team makes different decisions at the deadline, like trading off veterans and going with your development of the young guys, becomes more likely. You know, it's not often. I mean, you know, Atlanta actually did do this when they brought in, um, who's now currently uh, Quinn Snyder, when they brought him in, it was like they brought him in kind of midseason after their guy go, specifically like give him a half a year to figure out a lot of stuff and really sink his teeth into this roster. So maybe you could do that. But I also think that if they let go of Jock Vaughn, in, at least in my opinion, in the short term, the remainder of this year, they would probably look internally and elevate one of the young developmental coaches oh, that they sure. have inside their organization. So you're not going to get that 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 sexy name from outside that comes in and solves these problems or something. So depending on where your desires lie around what you think you want this team to do, 
that should probably inform whether or not you actually want Jock Vaughn to be fired, regardless of, you know, if I would almost for sure be Kevin Ollie. Like, that would be my guess. I like he would be almost for sure be the, the guy, right? Like, and. So- and I don't know, maybe that's the right move. I, I'm not sure, but I, but just, this is the first you, time I actually you agree thought. that if you fired Vaughn, that like the likelihood of trading for a big name player vastly decreases. I don't think they're correlated to me. Oh, like I, I, I think that I don't think of those things as together. Like I, for, well, I, I, I might be wrong for yeah. sure, but I, I just don't think that one necessarily begets the other. They're still in the same problem. It's like that Vaughn, it's funny because everyone wants to look at Vaughn as being the major problem. And I get it. Vaughn is one problem of many that they have. They have many problems here. Like sure. this is not the only problem. Like, is he a great coach? It doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like he's a floor raising coach in the X's and O's stuff. Right. Like, I think we're getting a large enough sample size to kind of know that. So that is, that's one problem. If you fired him, you would still have the rest of the problems. <laughs> like you would have, a roster that lacks a ton of top end talent. You would have, you know, firing bond doesn't get your draft picks back, right? Like firing bond still has $40 million of Ben Simmons who never plays sitting on the roster for another year. Like those problems all still exist. A new coach would have to deal with all the same problems. Maybe they'd be slightly better or or decent amount better at handling those problems, but the problems still exist. So anyone that wants to say Jacques Vaughn is like the only problem here, you're lying to yourself. Like, there's just so many problems here. Which brings us one up from John Claude. Every single player regressed under Jock Vaughn's leadership. Now, there's some easy pushback on this stuff. Like when you take two guys that were role players in Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson and elevate them into primary roles on your team, you're, you're, you could see, quote, what looks like regression because now they're the focal point of the opposition. Dayron Sharp's developed very well. His game has taken another step. I don't think Nicholas Claxton has regressed under Jock Vaughn to any extent. I don't know how you felt about Trendon Watford coming in, but he's played well and looked good. Dennis Smith Jr., Lonnie Walker. Now, these, maybe you think these guys were good unto themselves before they came in the door. You know, Dorian Finney-Smith is having a career year in shooting. He had a bad night tonight. Some guys are having bad nights. Royce O'Neal. I, you know, I, I point to the guys that you feel like have regressed. I, now, Cam Thomas becomes the poster child for this one, and I get that. And the decision-making from Jock Vaughn, certainly you can question that and his development, stunting those things. But I, I don't I really don't have a strong case for him being why play, that players have regressed under him. I just think that what Doug said, he's not a floor raiser coach. He is not. You know, he is not. He learned underneath Popovich. He didn't take enough lessons from him. It's not going to be the kind of guy that takes a roster and elevates them into the best maybe possible versions of themselves. But well, I, I and like honestly, like the sharp thing, like regressed. sharp has benefited from sharp has benefited from the changes they made this year, like going more drop coverage. And not switching everything has been one of the major reasons Dayron can stay on the court for long periods of time because they're playing that defensive scheme. Like it was where he was totally exposed last year. They didn't run the scheme enough, and it was problematic. So, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I know I'm getting tired. I'm getting tired. There's always, hey, buddy, a, there's always like, an end of these lives where I some for some weird reason pick up a ton of steam. As Doug is clearly signaling, we could go ahead and tie a bow on this one anytime we want. Which I just let friends, I let out a big yawn. And look, man, we we're getting we're getting two and a half hours of game and then an hour and ten minutes of podcast. Man, come on, there's a cutoff point. I'm not I'm no spring chicken, right? That's like, right. I gotta wrap it up. Off. <laughs> the bottom, bottom line is we always appreciate everybody that comes in. We say it every single time. We try to answer as many of your questions. We want more questions. Never stop asking them. There's Clash. Laugh out loud, as he always likes to do. You know what you do. You get us over on YouTube. You get us on the podcast feed. Over on Twitter, at Doug Norrie, at Adam Armbrecht, at Locked on Nets. 
We'll be doing this thing again, potentially post-game Friday night. Not guaranteed. So stay tuned to social media for that. And until next time, uh, you know, we'll be uh, coming back in here talking all things. Oh, no, no, wait, 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 wait. I'll do it myself, Doug. You be quiet. The world is still a weird place, despite my efforts to make clear and perfect sense of it. Now, that's Hunter S. Thompson, and he's one of the great American poets. Rest his soul. We'll see you next time. Talking all things Brooklyn Nets basketball. Basketball, 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 basketball. Killer Every shit. Day. Basketball, basketball, yeah.